Hey, Velocity family, we are in week two of our sermon series, I Am, and we're taking a look at the metaphors that Jesus uses in his own words to describe his life and his ministry throughout the Gospel of John. And each of these phrases teach us a really important thing about the character and nature of Jesus, what he came to do and who who he is. And last week, we looked at Jesus telling a crowd of people in John chapter 6, verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. It's a great picture of Jesus' role in sustaining us, satisfying us, and bringing us true life. And this is what he does through the work of the cross and his resurrection. And as he continues through his ministry, he has a second I am statement that he gives. And this is to another crowd in a different place and time. Except uh, most of the people in this crowd don't just walk away from him at the end of his message. Actually, a lot of them pick up stones to try to stone him to death because they consider him a blasphemer because of those two important words that we talked about last week, I am. Because when Jesus says that, He's equating himself and his life and his ministry with with the divine, with God. And throughout his ministry, Jesus reveals the heart behind humanity's thinking and acting. His words often expose the sharp contrast between the truth and the lies that we believe. And his second I am statement reveals why. Jesus has traveled to Jerusalem, and Jerusalem is celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles, or the Feast of Booths. And he's been teaching in the temple for the entire week in full view of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the, politically, the religious and political leaders of the day. And they would like nothing more than to arrest Jesus and kill him. They, they want to get rid of him throughout all of this. And Jesus opens up his final message of the week with these words. John chapter 8, verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now on the surface, this is a great statement. It's a great sentiment. Uh, anyone who's ever stepped on a Lego at night or even a dart, those, those you know, with a little suction cup and they've got the plastic pieces on it. If you ever stepped on one of those at night without knowing it, it really hurts. And, and that's not a great way to have to walk through the hallway to get to the, to the bathroom. Uh, we've uh, got these little LED powered lights that are really great in our shed because when we go in there, it's, it's dark. We need to be able to see where we're going. I'm not sure how this is going to show up on camera, but these things are really bright. They look pretty cool. I love little gadgets like this. I mean, it, it is glorious. I don't know if you can tell like this, but it's like blinding me. Um, light is great for the things that we want to have revealed, but not so great for what we want to remain hidden. When Jesus says he's the light of the world, that light represents truth and purity. And you see that all throughout the New Testament. The problem is, is I know at least for me, not everything in my life is made up of truth and purity. And because of that, there might be some darkness that I'm not so sure that I want to be revealed. The light of Jesus reveals the darkness that we need to be exposed. It might not be the darkness we want exposed initially, especially if we don't understand why it's important that it must happen. This little light is powerful, but I don't necessarily want somebody walking around my house and looking at every nook and cranny and finding every little piece of dirt and every imperfection of every little thing. Then again, if I don't shine a light on some of those things and take care of it, there are going to be problems down the road. And the crowd that Jesus is talking to here has two groups of people in it, and they have two different reactions at first. 
a group of people who don't believe him, in him and a group of people who are starting to believe that he is who he says he is. And the rest of chapter 8 is him talking to these people. And so we're going to talk about each of these groups and their reactions and what Jesus says to them. The, the first group of people uh, we find out in verse, chapter, in verse 13 of chapter 8. And the Pharisees challenged him, Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Like I said before, they're the religious rulers in Jerusalem, and at the time, they're not fans of Jesus at all. They've devoted themselves to the law and have developed a pretty comfortable system of belief that benefits them quite well. And when they hear about Jesus, all they hear about is a threat to their comfortable way of living. Here he is promising to be the savior of mankind, the light of the world, and they're not buying it. And so instead, they start an argument with Jesus over the law and over their understanding of God. And they're holding on to religion, and they're holding on to their self-righteousness when Jesus is proving who he is through his actions, through his teaching, and offering them the chance to stop stumbling about in a fog of their self-assurance, and rather than tracing the message and meaning God has woven through the narrative of the entire Old Testament. They're focused on the outward appearance, and Jesus is getting at their inner life. They don't want the light to expose where they might be wrong because they don't want the possibility they've been wasting their life to be revealed to be true. But if they took a little bit to think, rather than doing the la, 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 I'm not listening, your opinion's not going to change what I believe or think, their refusal to, to be teachable, if they change that, they can discover that the opportunity to shine light on our life allows us to live life within life's true meaning. The light of life is within their grasp, but most of them let it slip through in an effort to refuse to let go of their own thinking, their own opinions. They, like all of us, have been at some point in our lives, are afraid of what they might have to give up in order to live out and love the truth. Jesus' light might expose our darkness, and maybe that might be uncomfortable at times, but what it reveals leads us to walk without fear. They doubted him because they thought they had it all figured out. And Jesus' final word for them uh, it explains how he is called to reveal truth in our lives. And Jesus, uh, in John chapter 8, verse 28, says this, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. And even as he spoke... Many believed in him, many people that were in the crowd. Later, as Jesus is talking about his crucifixion, people would start to realize after his resurrection, as news of that spread, that, oh man, maybe there is something different about what he came to teach us and lead us into. And so after he finishes talking with the religious leaders and the skeptics of the crowd, he turns his attention to the other portion of the crowd who's starting to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. They like what they're hearing uh, because of the generosity of his words. And really, most of them probably like seeing the Pharisees taken down a notch. And so Jesus turns to them in John chapter 8, verse 31, and says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But the, when the audience hears this, they don't find that to be all that generous. When Jesus says this, they're thinking, free? What, what do you mean set free? We're, we're free. Uh, we're the chosen people of God. 
yeah, uh, we might be occupied and under the rule of the Roman Empire and have to do everything that they tell us to do, but we're, you know, we're free people. How could you say something like this? And Jesus kind of responds, aha, I'm glad you asked. Because Jesus replies in verse 34, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you are doing what you have heard from your father. They didn't realize it, but most of these people were settling for walking in darkness. They're proud of their heritage. They're proud of how they chose to live their lives, the stuff that they knew about their faith, uh, but they didn't realize that they were still stuck in their sin. And their actions down the road when they call for Jesus' crucifixion that will reveal the truth. And so that's the scene. Jesus is talking to these two different groups of people, but they kind of come to the same conclusion when Jesus' words starts to challenge the comfortable way they've gotten used to thinking about and living their life. He's made it clear that he wants to show them the way to true life, the chance to never have to walk in darkness again, but they all miss the point. They get sidetracked. And and this happens to all of us. It happens to me. We miss the point. We end up on some tangent that leads to an argument that was never meant to be started or some sort of rabbit trail or something else. And we absolutely miss the fact that if we focus our lives just on Jesus, we can move past the darkness. And that's the point that Jesus is trying to make to this crowd. He wasn't trying to start a history lesson on their ancestry, although he's able to teach them, or review the legal system, but he's the only one who could really explain it fully. But that's where they took it. And so often, we take the teachings of Jesus, and we somehow miss the point. Jesus says something like, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And we say, Man, that sounds great. Yeah, but I've I've got all this stress in my life. I've got these things that that are going on. And Jesus says, Well, (laughs) Hold on a second. Maybe you missed what I said. I said, uh, if you come to me and you're weary and you're burdened, I will give you rest. And so Jesus says, did did you come to me? Or did you go off to that thing that you keep holding on to? Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. All the things that we need in life. And we go through this process, and I know I do the same thing. God, I'm, I'm not content with this, and I, I don't, just don't know what do you want me to do because I, these things aren't happening that I want. And then Jesus reels us back in, and he says, man, hey, maybe you missed the point. This is not about your kingdom. This, this is about seeking me first, God's kingdom. And that's why we end up holding on to walking in the darkness. It's born out of fear for the consequences of what we've been doing being exposed. That's why we hold on to our opinions so fiercely with no room for anyone to introduce any new information or maybe truth that we've been missing all along to change our minds. We're afraid of what might mean for us and what we've been doing all along. But remember this, those who walk in the light are free from the darkness of lies. And Jesus confronts this darkness head on with the crowd. John chapter 8, verse 43. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. This sounds like pretty harsh language, and Jesus doesn't beat around the bush at all. He goes straight to the heart of the matter and 
the fact of the matter is, is that sometimes when, when you've walked your own way for long enough, you start getting used to your own voice or the voice of the enemy who's keeping you in that darkness, walking along that path. And so then starting to try to listen for the voice of God in the midst of that, especially those things that we've held on too long that can seem foreign and uncomfortable for us at first, but it's always been the way to true life. We miss the point sometimes, and sin and evil seem to get the upper hand more often than we'd like to admit, because there is an enemy. There's a spiritual enemy who wants nothing more than to confuse us and lead us away from the light of God. And Satan, the father of lies, he doesn't need, us to, get, need to get us to be this incredibly evil, horrific person uh, the way that we would think e- about evil and being horrible. Satan's really just trying to get us to compromise for a life that's a little bit more dim and not step into the full light of Jesus. There are a lot of good things in this world that God has given us. Good people, beautiful nature, great churches, music, art, great food. And a lot of those things can serve as a reflection of God's goodness. It can also be corrupted. In fact, we can look at almost anything and use it as a way to bring glory to God. But don't be confused about what actually sets us free. And that's Jesus. As Jesus is teaching, he's the light of the world at the end of the feast of the tabernacles. Part of the celebration for this feast is that these huge lamps were lit each evening as a reminder of God's leadership when the Israelite nation, way back in the Old Testament, they were wandering through the wilderness, that he would at at night lead them through the wilderness as a pillar of fire. And so these lamps spread the light right there where Jesus was teaching among these people. And so the metaphor from Jesus is clear. Want to be assured of what has been promised from God for your life? Follow him. Allow his light to guide you and to reveal to you what's been tripping you up all along the way. So if you're struggling, remember to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. He will guide you to God's promises for your life. If things are going well for you right now because you've been keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus, be sure to share and reflect that light with others. Don't hide it under a bush. And if you're concerned about what that true and pure light of Jesus might expose and reveal in your life, don't let fear drive you away from the best life that God has for you now, regardless of your past. Right now at my house, we're getting our crawl space worked on this week because the people, not to sell anybody out, but the people who own the house before us didn't take care of it properly. The insulation was put in upside down. No vapor barrier was put in there. I mean, there are a lot of problems and issues that had to be taken care of that we had to call in professionals to come in and, and, and fix. I mean, it's nasty under there. I thought about throwing up a couple pictures that they sent me of what it looks like under there. Under there and uh, it's, it's too gross, I think, to share that with you. So I won't do that. Nobody needs to see that (laughs) or wants to have to deal with it. But if we just ignored it and we didn't do anything about it, just because we don't have to look at it and we could hide it, man, we'd be in trouble down the road because the problems are being exposed. We know that we will be healthier in life for the long run. It's the same with Jesus. And if you've never said yes to him and like an all-in, going to let him reveal and expose all the darkness in our life, kind of yes, all-in with Jesus, um, so you can be free from all that. If you're willing to believe in the truth of who Jesus is, your next step is to be baptized into his name. 
And maybe that's a decision that you haven't made yet, or maybe you know somebody who's been wrestling with that and thinking through that. And I'm gonna encourage you, if you know somebody who's been wrestling with that, man, take some time and talk with them and share the light of Jesus. But if you are struggling with whether or not to make that decision and what that might look like for that life change in your life, know this, we're a place where no perfect people are allowed. And we're ready to walk with you through that if you're ready to make that decision. And we'd love for you to share that with us and let us know as we seek to be a body of believers who are shining and reflecting the light of Jesus. Through Jesus, we never have to walk in darkness because he is the light of the world. And that leads to true life. And we celebrate that every week as we celebrate communion together, as we worship together, and God is our audience of one. We're, we're celebrating the fact that Jesus' death burial and resurrection allows us to enter into true life with him. And so as we share in the time of communion together right now, uh, let me pray that we will be guided by the light of Jesus. God, there are a lot of different voices. There are a lot of different distractions. There are a lot of different untruths that vie for our attention in this life. God, we've gotten used to some of those voices throughout our lives and and we ask that as we continually seek to grow in our knowledge of who you are and and in our actions because of who you are that you would expose and reveal the places that that hold us back from experiencing the true life that you mean for us to share because of Jesus God we, we thank you for that light that Jesus shines on us and for us as we seek to grow closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.